0: On episode number 23 of the To Be Encouraged podcast, Bishop Julius C. Tremble continues a conversation with Dr. Will Willimon from Duke University Divinity School about his new book, Don't Look Back, Methodist Hope for What Comes Next, with a special emphasis on practical best practices for Methodist leaders who wants to transform the world moving forward even in anxious times.
1: I think this could be a wonderful time to rediscover the, the wonder that Jesus Christ works through ordinary people in ordinary places to accomplish His mission. He, that he does not work top-down from votes at General Conference. He works bottom-up.
0: You are welcome. To Be Encouraged, with Bishop Julius C. Tremble, Bishop Trimble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Tremble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people. Welcome to episode number 23 of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. This is the podcast where Bishop Trimble offers an encouraging word to an often discouraged world. I'm your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. In this episode number 23, we begin, we continue a two, uh, the second part of a two-part conversation with Dr. Will Willimon the from the Duke Divinity School Dr. Willimon is an author of many many books many people in the Methodist circles are familiar with his work and his next work really is touching and speaking to the situation in methodism as we go through a schism and go through difficulties it's called Don't Look Back Methodist Hope for What Comes for What Comes Next in this episode Bishop, uh, Bishop Trimble and myself and Dr. Willimon dive deep into practical things you can do in your local church to help to move forward and to move out into mission. He gives a set of best practices that churches can do and the power of being a gathered body. It has to do with seeing that the mission is isn't the building it's the world and so you're going to get a lot out of this conversation here today we're going to get right into it but I did want you to let you know that we will put links to the book how you can get the book through Cokesbury at our at our show notes which are at to be encouraged dot com slash zero two three it's our pleasure and privilege to have a conversation with Dr. Will Willimon and Bishop Julia C. Trimble here on the "To Be Encouraged" podcast. Let's get into that conversation right now.
2: So, I, what I like about I like about what Will writes is that we're we're to be ambassadors of hope, and, and I really want him to speak to the. I think grace comes to play when we focus on the local church, and you know all of these things. I really love the way you address the whole issue of bishop out west gets elected and that came up at one of our town hall meetings and they start rattling off all of these things i said you know what does that got to do with what's happening here in (laughs) fort wayne people getting shot every weekend and you're worried about something out on the west coast so uh what about the local church how why why you emphasize the local church and having clarity about that
0: let's get clear and pragmatic on the local church yes
1: yeah, I think maybe I'm hoping that this, this will be a time when we rediscover the grace, the gift of, of the local church. Uh, one of the challenges I guess we've always had in Methodism is appropriately recognizing the power, uh, the way that the Holy spirit works from the bottom up, if you will, uh, locally, uh, the power of the local church. Uh, I know as Bishop, uh, I realize that you know, a lot of times in our Methodist appointment system, it our Methodist appointment system is so it originated in mission. Uh put somebody on a horse, keep moving west, don't stay anywhere long, keep going, keep starting new congregations, get out of move on. Uh that's a beautiful vision of a church in mission. Trouble is sometimes it it can lead to a a Neglect or a distraction of the local church So I'm hoping this will be a great time To recover the, the power uh, Our discipline says The local church is the basic uh, Source of ministry Well we, we need to reclaim that And stay focused on that And ask ourselves What portion of Jesus Christ's mission Has he given to us In this neighborhood And it's wonderful to see churches name that and claim it and enjoy it, uh, try to be church in their particular location. In fact, one of my criticisms of the Book of Discipline and some of our thought over the past few years is we've tried to have kind of top-down uniformity. We've got way too many rules in the Book of Discipline directing uh, congregations, how they should form their ministry. And as I said to Methodists in <clears throat> Alabama, you know, if, if Methodists in California uh, get a vision of mission that can help them thrive and <clears throat> to grow into the future, we, we should bless them. <laughs> we should say, go for it. Uh, that's probably not the mission God's given us in Alabama, Sure. But glad that you've sensed your mission, and and so con- we shouldn't oh, context you.
0: Yeah, I would say context matters. Then, and this what we're talking about. Here. Absolutely.
1: There's, yeah, I gotta so. say, uh, uh, before the podcast began, uh, Brad and I were in a conversation, and Brad was telling me about how he delayed his retirement for a year because he was uh, leading a church in transition. What kind of transition? He basically uh, helped lead uh, a church. From being a, uh, a dying uh, downtown great big church, that's not news. That's <laughs> there's a lot of that in Methodism, but uh, uh, through an associate pastor and all, uh, doing a beautiful handoff, uh, uh, so it can be a Spanish speaking uh, Methodist congregation. Uh, that's a story that that I find encouraging, and <clears throat> that's the story that many of our churches, uh, I'm thinking of a church now. It started as a suburban church. It's all white. Uh, And yet more than they know, they need to do exactly what Brad has done. They need to figure out a way to hand off their congregation, uh, which they've loved, nurtured, and sacrificed for. They need to figure out how to hand that off to a new generation of Methodists. And they may speak the same language, but they ain't the same Methodist. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. they're different. And um uh so are you saying there is hope for congregations? That do we do
0: have possibilities here if we absolutely see things fact, differently? So let's let's go with that even.
1: I remember more, I right? was depressed after one of my meetings of annual conference, which I find a lot I'm sure Bishop trumbull's not like this because mm-hmm. he's uh-huh. so much a better person, but uh I'd I'd sometimes <laughs> I'd get low after annual conference and some of the Pointless debates and problems and all, but I remember a, an older, wiser bishop told me he said, if, "If you'll try to get out of annual conference and and get back, <clears throat> spend some time in a local church, uh, a weekend, uh, have them tell you what they're doing, what they're excited about, you'll be better. You'll you'll be you'll feel better. And it's uh, I think this could be a wonderful time to rediscover the the wonder that Jesus Christ." works through ordinary people in ordinary places to accomplish his mission. He mm. that he does not work top down from votes at general conference. He works bottom up. And mm. if we can discover that, rediscover that, I think it'll be a wonderful time for us. Mr. Well, Trevor, what, what do you see? How do you? Yeah, yeah I see. Hope
2: I want to quote Will. He says, God begins locally to save universally. I love that. Early on in the book, in terms of uh, the, when he when he when he talks about how where God's where the work of God is really done, and I I resonate with that. When I go to local churches, and I preach or even I'm even there worshiping to see what they're doing. They're not focusing all of this schism, and uh, you know you really have to go searching to find that. If the, if you went if I went to ten local churches, probably one or two of them might say, "Bishop, can you tell us what's going on?" Because they're they're focused. The healthy ones are focused on doing. Doing being the church, as opposed to debating about the church, uh, and certainly they're con, they're, con, they're they're concern, concerned about. I really want we hey, to speak to. You mentioned early later later in the book around we need not only clarity at the local church, but simple accelerated decision making. I want to know what that looks like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, on, yeah. I I I think the times call for supple faster decision making one of the difficulties is and the united methodist book of discipline as i read it is it, oh, I, I love the united methodist book of discipline when it comes to doctrine our theological task i think is one of the most amazing documents our church ever produced produced by a couple of duke uh professors um but um When it comes to organization, it feels like General Motors 1950, Uh, the old way of doing things, top-down, laborious procedure going through this committee and that committee. Lord, a general conference meeting for a week before the general conference gets going in these committee meetings to churn out more rules and more legislation. And uh, it's, it's a terrible model. For us. And uh, I must say, I know when I got discouraged in my annual conference about how long it took to get anything done and loping from one committee to the next. And all, uh, well, I, in visiting in local churches, I woke up and realized every local church that was alive had already done what we need to do in the annual conference and certainly in the general church had streamlined themselves, had reorganized. They uh, had just the committees they needed and no more. They didn't have to have every single thing approved and on board before they moved. And uh, I even uh, I remember visiting in one dynamic United Methodist Church led by an amazing young woman. And one of the lay people told me at lunch, said, you know, it's been two years since we've taken a vote in this church and I said what wow. and said well you know Sharon's against voting she said voting is not in the bible and um it uh <laughs> she said look where voting got us in the US congress and I, I said what 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 a, and and she said when when you take a vote there's always winners and losers and that's not good to have in the church many times you're asked to take a vote on something before you know enough about it and so she said, what we do is we have arguments and we have discussions. And then Sharon says, you know, I think we're ready to move on this. And if some of y'all are still opposed to this, we promise you we'll evaluate it in a few months. But but let's move. And so we do. Well, I, I say in the book, uh, I think the worst part about the present moment is uh, the notion that churches should Vote on anything, uh, particularly the, the future of the nomination. And I just urge our churches, argue, have mm-hmm. arguments, listen to each other, try to learn from each other, be willing to be convinced and changed, but please don't vote, uh, because you're going to end up hurting otherwise good people. Um, voting is a, is is a perfectly for, perfect
0: formula for division, isn't it, And acrimony?
1: I, I have the right. perfect formula. I keep mm-hmm. telling people uh, Roberts of Robert's Rules of Order was not a Methodist, as far as I know. He was also English, and that's sure. a problem for me. But sure. uh, <laughs> uh, come on. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I, I know a Methodist pastor of a large Methodist church outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and he told his congregation, some of y'all have talked about some of the issues that are being debated and all. I want our church to be a place of open debate and argument of honest listening and I want people to feel free and safe to express how they feel to ask for more information I I want the debate to begin now but by the way two conditions you will never take a vote we are not going to try to shut up people through voting number two We will all go to the Lord's table together, no matter how fierce the argument gets. Uh, Y'all understand that? Now, let's go. Well, I I thought that's leadership. And in the, uh, yeah. And so.
0: Having said all all that about voting and so on, and Bishop, I want you to jump in on this too. But (laughs) something I really want us to touch in for, uh, to try to be helpful and very pragmatic to our pastors and Mm. our leaders who are listening to this podcast today is uh you've mentioned in your book the best practices of transformational methodist leaders and i really would like you to touch on two or three of those perhaps about what can we actually do because th- we've described the situation about voting has least acrimony and so on uh what are but what can we do to be productive
1: yeah i, I it's interesting bishop Trimble's first thing he mentioned was uh streamlining decision making having decisions made faster I I think he's absolutely, that's one of the most important best practices. I'd also, it's interesting, you guys uh, are talking about encouragement. And the word encouragement has the word courage in it. It is to give people courage. Um, I think the best book on ministerial leadership I know is Gil Reynolds' uh, Quietly Courageous. And I think the times call for some courage uh, and it is encouraging to see Methodist preachers step up and show some courage in saying, Hey people, let's, let's keep things in perspective. Let's, let's talk about the hard truths of our congregation that we haven't been willing to face, uh, issues of aging, issues of attendance of money, uh, issues of uh, uh, our future. And I'm encouraged when people show courage <laughs> to, to, to be those kind of quietly courageous leaders that are required in the present moment. Uh, so uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm encouraged really? when bishops like Bishop Trumbull, mm-hmm. y- you know, model how you have discussions about these matters And uh, also uh, try to speak uh, truth, common sense. Uh, I know in uh, talking to a group of pastors, a, a couple of them said, well, we're thinking about leaving because we're just sick and tired of debating this issue. And we win the votes at general conference. But then we come home. And then people don't have any intention of following what general conference said. I said, I think it's wonderful. You're losing faith in votes at general conference. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a beautiful step forward. (laughs) I want to affirm that this probably can't be solved by a vote at general conference. That's something we all need to hear. Uh, I think it's going to be solved by people going back home to their local church and being the local church that God leads them to be. And um, so it, it takes courage, though, sometimes to admit that and, and yeah. say those things. Yeah. Mr. Trimble, I know we've talked a lot in
0: the past about scriptures that have, have informed us, and Bishop uh, Willimon certainly has a lot of scripture uh, stories in his book here. Let's talk between the three of us about scriptures that are really important to inform this discussion about how we do move forward. And I love the analogy of don't look back because we just can't do that. What are some of the scriptures that help inform us at all of this? is your trouble.
2: Well, I, I probably have to go back to the old Testament. I know, uh, we'll lean so heavily on, you know, whether it is the, what we call the walk to Emmaus or, or some of the, uh, Paul's writings to the churches. When I think about some of the promises of God, uh, one of my favorite scriptures is the book of Nahum, Nahum 1:7. the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And God knows those who trust in God. So, I think if we trust God to be faithful, uh, we know, and our ancestors, Psalm 22 talks about this, uh, you know, our ancestors trusted God and they trusted God and God was faithful and they were not disappointed. One of the, one of the stories I tell uh, about the, yeah, Nahum, I just said that that the, (laughs) the Nahum, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble and God knows those who trust in God. So that if we really trust God to be faithful, then, we just ought to be encouraged, and Will talks about this, too, the power, with the power of the Holy Spirit to be faithful. One of the stories that really inspired me is when I remember years ago, I was getting ready to leave Nigeria and talking with the pastors. And I said, how are you starting churches? Uh, and you don't have a Congregational Development Committee. You don't have any grants. Uh, but you go out in these rural areas, build, a, dig a well, and start a church. And here's what they said, Brad. They said, we speak the name of Jesus and we expect something to happen. See, those of you in the West, you know, you you kind of preach these nice sermons, but you're not expecting anything to happen. So I think what, what is needed is not only courage, but enthusiasm and enthusiasm for honesty as much as we want unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Philip Gully, the Qu- the Quaker who came to our conference some years ago and talked about the importance of honesty even more so than unity. But I'm encouraged because Jesus promises in the Great Commission, I will be with you always, so stay faithful.
0: The title of his book is called Don't Look Back, which implica- implica- implies that many of us have looked back in the past, and we have a, a, a nostalgic feel about what things used to be, and that's part of our grief and that that type of thing. And then we can look forward. So, uh, Bishop Willimon, I'd like to speak, if you can, to some of the scriptures that do help us with this whole theme you have now about not looking back, looking forward. What are some of the ways that Jesus, some of the other scriptures inform us about that?
1: One thing that's informed me is the realization that uh, intra-church conflict, intra-congregational conflict ain't nothing new. In fact, uh, by my estimate, half of all the content, the letters of Paul deal with church fights, uh, arguments. Uh, Paul doesn't usually tell us what they're arguing about or why he's having to correct people or why he's having to say please think about it this way rethink this but I kind of find that encouraging that the the church has never been united (laughs) and on the same page and I ascribe that to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ keeps calling people to his kingdom who are not like me (laughs) and A lot of them I don't even like, uh, uh, care for. Uh, I wouldn't have called them if I'd been doing the calling. Uh, That's just between us. I don't want that repeated.
2: Uh, But um,
1: the, uh, and, uh, you know, it it makes for a kind of uh, messy, contentious, sometimes unwieldy, but oftentimes surprisingly unified uh, movement. Uh, But scriptures that come to my mind, I'm interested in uh, Easter stories uh, where people were despondent and hopeless, like on the way to Emmaus. And the stranger shows up and they do Bible study. uh, But still, they don't get the point. uh, Only when they broke bread together there, uh, where their eyes opened and they saw it was the Lord. And they said to one another, hey, this movement isn't ending. It's just beginning. Just hey, beginning. we thought we were at a dead end. Uh, no, we're not. And um, the uh, I'm preparing for some preaching in the fall, and I'm looking at uh, Philippians 4, and uh, my text was rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I look at it in context, and Paul says that. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say Rejoice. He says that right after he calls out by name two Christians in the congregation at Philippi, Euodia and Syntyche, and he says to them, agree with one another, be reconciled, darn it. Uh, I order you, be reconciled. And I thought, uh, wow, if, if Paul were writing a letter to us now, I wonder if he'd say, uh, "Hey, uh, understanding some disagreements. I um, understand these two key, thoughtful leaders have squared off with each other. I'm telling you, be reconciled." And be, be reconciled. Yeah. That's well, when Yewdy and, we, and says, "Well, I'm sorry, we have irreconcilable differences." And then Paul says, I'm sorry, in Jesus Christ, there ain't no irreconcilable differences. He's, he is the reconciler. That's all he does. So there is a lot of scripture, and maybe there's a lot of scripture that I find helpful because the church, this ain't the first time the church has been in a situation of conflict and division and separation.
0: Well, I want to give you one more word, and then Bishop, I always give uh, Bishop <clears> the <throat> last word on his Be Encouraged podcast, but the last word we almost always like to talk about, uh, Bishop and Bishop, is what is encouraging right now. Uh, your, the subtitle of your book is Methodist Hope for What Comes Next. So, so, Will, a word or two, I know you were to give this whole podcast about this, but what is an encouraging word that a local cler- clergy or a local uh, lay person can hang on to today about what's next? An encouraging word.
1: I think the source for our encouragement is Jesus Christ is Lord, and He has determined not to be Lord alone by Himself. Mm -hmm. For reasons known only to our Lord, from day one of His ministry and mission, He enlists people to work with Him to do whatever He wants to do in the world. I guess He could have done it all solo if He wanted to, but that ain't the way He works. And the good news is he's enlisted us and has assigned us good work to do. And we need to be about that. And he promises us uh, wild, outrageous promises like, you're going to do even greater work than I do. I Mm. I promise you that. Or to say, um, uh, you're going to have tribulation in the world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Uh, or to say, uh, uh, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've told you, even the hard parts. And mm-hmm. lo, I'm with you always, just to make darn sure you do it. You will never get rid of me. Uh, uh, constantly pushing, pushing you, and, and that—that's that, encouraging.
0: What an awesome conversation with Dr. Will Willimon and Bishop Julius C. Trimble, and it was a pleasure and a privilege to be a part of this as we really went deep into the book, which is called Don't Look Back, Methodist Hope for What Comes Next. Just a couple of key takeaways from the book and from our conversation that I think are going to be helpful to any person of a Westland Methodist heritage, who he wants to move forward and look forward to what you can do, and not be kind of uh, caught up in the malaise of what is happening around our around our church these days. And I think a, a thought that I had was, Bishop Willemond makes the point of the future belongs to Methodist congregations, who see our divestment and disestablishment by American culture as an opportunity to reclaim. Reclaim our rightful participation in the mission of Jesus Christ, and moreover, they see. Don't let the current state of the Methodist crisis or decline or fragmentation go to waste. To take advantage of it, great stuff there. I commend the book to you. I've read it myself. Uh, lots of good things. Going to be very helpful for Methodist clergy and laity who are serious about moving forward in faith with excellence. The books don't look back. Methodist hope for what comes next. We'll put links to how you can get the book, which is going to be released in September of 2022 at our show notes at 2 be encouraged.com slash zero two three. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. It's a pleasure being with you. We hope that you'll join us again next week for more from Bishop Julius C. Trimple on the to be encouraged podcast, which is bringing a word of encouragement to an often discouraged world. So until next time, friends, remember to always do all the good that you can. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen to Be Encouraged, you can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcasts where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julia C. Trimble. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week, to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tribble, and never forget, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it.